0: On this episode of DLN Extend, we discuss what our personal tech related goals are for 2022. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 91 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community, from places like the DLN Discourse Forums, Telegram Group, Discord Server, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. With me is Wendy, the tips and tricks photography advisor to give your photographs of the new year that new car smell. And Matt, who brings us new games like that of new tires, although appreciated, they usually stink. How are you two?
1: Okay, so just to clarify on Matt's introduction. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You think the games that he suggests are horrible? No, stink.
0: Appreciated, (laughs) but they stink. Like new tires. They're always great to have. You want them, but they never smell nice. They always have that pungent smell. That's kind of like Matt's game suggestions.
2: That's only because, Nate, they're too new for you.
0: And? I'm going to say,
2: that's just what it is. They stink for you because they're too new.
0: (laughs) That could be. Just too new for me to handle. Yes. Swendy, I understand you fixed your daughter's laptop. What could have ever gone wrong with it?
1: As we talked about last week, which I took us on this complete and total NVIDIA rant last week, I'd mentioned that I just could not get the NVIDIA GPU to work on there. So, it has hybrid graphics. And in order to boot, it wants to see the Intel graphics first. There is flat out no booting it if it can't see the Intel graphics first. So, just having straight NVIDIA drivers doesn't work. And I took Matt's advice and went ahead and looked at the Optimus Manager again. I wanted to start with the clean install. All of the games are already on a separate drive, so I didn't really have to worry about that part but she did have some school stuff. She had some artwork that was already on the laptop. So I backed all of that up and then nuked and paved it, reinstalled Manjaro. So I had a nice clean base to work from. I found a newer tutorial that is specifically for Manjaro and helping to get Optimus to work. After I installed the Optimus QT manager there was a few more steps that needed to be done and that's kind of what I was missing before when I was trying to use this Optimus manager the drivers were there but it was still seeing different graphics configurations that are really intel heavy so it didn't matter if i went to the manager and said use the nvidia use nvidia from startup use nvidia when you do xyz it was still only using intel so following this guide that I've included in the show description it shows you a few other tweaks that you need to do and that includes changing the names of some configuration files and the like and after I did all of that, which really didn't take me all that long. The nuke and pay was what took the longest, just getting it backed up and reset up. Actually getting Optimus to work after that was pretty much a breeze just following this tutorial. Her laptop is now running absolutely fantastic when it comes to playing games and other things that she's wanting to do with that NVIDIA graphics card in the system. The only downside is, is I now have more work to do on that laptop The battery in it's pretty old. It doesn't hold a charge for very long anymore. Now that I have NVIDIA working on it, it's really sucking the battery life out of it extremely quickly. And it's just time to replace it. So I need to get a new battery ordered, get it reinstalled in the system, and then she should be good to go for a lot longer with this laptop running Manjaro and working NVIDIA drivers.
0: Well, I think it's amazing that you got it working. I've had constant trouble with NVIDIA. Although, to be fair, these are machines that are so old that NVIDIA doesn't actually support them anymore. But getting NVIDIA working reliably has always been a challenge for me, probably due to my lack of technical skill and such things. But kudos to you for getting that going. Glad to hear that you are getting a new battery for the laptop as opposed to just replacing the laptop. It warms my heart to know that you're not throwing away old technology.
1: Well, the thing is, is the laptop still has decent specs, especially for everything that she's doing with it. There's no need to get rid of it and get a new laptop. A simple, and I say simple, it's probably going to be a rip and pain in the butt. A simple battery change is all that it needs and it should work for her for the rest of her high school year. We are staying somewhat in the realm of high system usage. So for my daughter, it is playing games. Matt, for you, it's storing some of those Blu-rays that you've bought over the Christmas season. How far along are you on that project?
2: Not far enough. So let's just say I went on a bit of a Blu-ray buying tangent. I'm a physical media guy, kind of like Nate. You know, I like my physical games. I like my physical media because internet don't always work. So relying solely on streaming, not always the best idea. Speaking as a parent, Wendy or Nate, you guys probably totally understand where I'm coming from with that. Yup. Yup. It's a bad idea. (laughs) For context, I probably bought over 40 or 50 Blu-rays over the course of the holiday season, you know, sales and everything else. I have a HTPC setup that I use at home. All these movies have just been sitting shrink wrapped, throwing them throughout my apartment, <laughs> just kind of random spots. I finally started ripping them and getting them onto my actual HTPC. The problem is my HTPC does not have a Blu-ray drive, so I actually have to use my workstation. <laughs> that I use for all my audio and video and editing stuff, as is my ripping machine, which has always been fun. I had to try to remember, it's been a while since I've done any rips with specifically Linux, just because I haven't needed to really. All my TV shows and prior to that stuff had already been downloaded and categorized on Kodi, so I haven't really done much in the way of updating that stuff. I needed to download things like Make MKV, which I haven't used in forever then I kind of forgot how big Blu ray is when you just essentially rip it raw, as far as just the raw data that it produces out. Those 40 gig files are a bit much. Just saying.
1: And a bit hard to store. It's kind
2: of weighty. Yeah. So, what I've been doing is I'll rip the Blu rays, then I'll convert them using Handbrake to much, much more manageable sizes like. I just got done ripping a copy of Logan, which I think it was like 36 gigs, give or take. And I got it down to about a little over three with handbrake. So well, that's nice. a lot more manageable, a lot easier capacity-wise and stuff. So that's been the biggest thing. It's just the ripping and reading process takes quite a while. This is an older machine, so I think it's only a 4X on the Blu-ray rip. So it takes about 45 minutes for a hour and a half movie, give or take 45-ish between everything. So and you yeah, added about another... 35 minutes, depending on what speed you decide to use for handbrake to actually convert the file over into something more manageable from MKV. I've been doing uh, MKV to MKV because that's just, it's a container format. It's just certain things about it that make it nice to keep, especially if you have like more subtitles or audio or that kind of dual audio and that kind of stuff. That's been my project. Slow, it's going to be a long, long time because, uh, you know, I don't have many hours to spare in the course of a day. I'll end up queuing up a bunch of the stuff that I've ripped off Blu-ray. I'll just queue it up into Handbrake and just be like, (laughs) convert all this stuff and I got to go do life, you know, work and all the other stuff. So that's kind of been the process right now.
0: Yeah. For me, I do something kind of similar. I have a paper bag full of different DVDs and Blu-rays. And one I have the time, I throw it into the machine and I have MKV just start ripping on it. But I haven't compressed them down like you are. Maybe I should, but I just haven't done that.
2: I like to find the balance. Like I get why some people would not be doing what I'm doing. It is time consuming totally time consuming it is much easier just to throw a blu-ray in rip it with make mkv and call it good totally get that mine is more of a i don't have enough space for huge things like setting up a nas or any of that kind of stuff so i have to try to keep as much local storage be it like external drives or something within the hdpc system that i have so that's why i have to do that my use case is very particular to me in my living situation so But while I'm working on backing things up and whatnot, Nate, you're kind of following Wendy's footsteps and going and working on other machines again?
0: Well, I tend to work on other machines probably more often than I should. I have the same Fujitsu laptop convertible device that Wendy has. I got it from Bill. Also for doing like educational stuff on it. So I received it a few weeks back and I finally had time this past week to to start digging into it a little bit. And I decided I would go through and install OpenSUSE on it. I was going to do Leap. But then I decided I just want to do Tumbleweed because I want to kind of keep things the same from one machine to the next. I was expecting to have some difficulty with the touchpad and the touchscreen display because my understanding is the touchpad required some massaging. I believe Bill and Neil, part of the Destination Linux community, they worked out what those issues were. The bug reports that they pushed upward in OpenSUSE had made it upstream. And so that actually has fixed all input issues on the Fujitsu laptop, which is great. I don't have any issues. So I guess, you know, if you wait long enough and you let all the smart people like Bill and Neil take care of all your problems, then I get nothing to do i guess i installed some things on there what i'm planning to do with these devices is have different educational bits of software that i use with the kids like gcompris tux type i don't know how much i like tux type right now i do wish tux type were a bit more like mavis beacon from years ago i think that was a really good typing tutorial i'm going to look for something else just for helping with the typing process so maybe some of the community's got some ideas for a good typing tutorial that'll really help young ones stay interested as you pat your fingers away against the keys But the other thing, too, is an application, or it's an IDE, I guess. It's called Scratch, or Scratch 3 is the version, just for clarity. And there's a flat pack you can download for this. So I started playing with Scratch. It's included with Raspberry Pi, like the Pi 400 or Pi 4 on the default media for learning to how to program using pictures. So it teaches the logical process of how to do things, how to make things, how to make the computer do things. It's really like today's answer to logo programming back in the 80s. And it's pretty darn cool. So I'm learning it myself a little bit so I can start teaching my kids how to use it and be able to do animations or even make their own games on Scratch. That's the plan. I have that installed and I'm learning that, but I want to see if all the really cool learning things from the Raspberry Pi series of the Pi 400 specifically, how those translate to using just regular Open Source Linux or any Linux for that matter. So I'm taking some notes on that. But that's the goal. That's what I'm working on right now. I'm pretty excited about it. Kind of getting ready for a second semester of school. And I do want to introduce this at least once a week computer class day, essentially, where we actually work on something, everybody relating to computers and whatnot. That's a little bit more practical and not just typing papers.
1: I really, really like this idea. My kids actually do quite a bit on the computer in general, but having a specific time that you're working on something together that's computer related, that's a neat idea. What do you think about these laptops? I think they're pretty gosh dang cool, but what do you think?
0: I like them very much. I think the touchscreen interface is so close to being like, basically prime time for anybody to use on Plasma, but they're just a couple of things that are just a little offish about it. Like didn't expect that these laptops had any sensor inside of it that would be presented readily to the operating system for automatically rotating the screen. I searched the PCI device listing for anything that resembled some sort of a sensor. Like there's one that presents itself in the Dell Latitude E6440. I have. You could technically use the Latitude as a joystick just by picking it up and moving it around, which is kind of cool. But I couldn't find anything in this machine. Maybe it's just a, could be, just doesn't have the driver. It's just not there. And so the kernel just doesn't see it. I don't know it'd be cool if it had it overall it has a really nice feel to it you know the way you can flip the screen around and and so forth i wanted to see if i could very easily like just set up a toggle or like you know a button to access the display function and have it go to portrait mode and then still use a touchscreen and that didn't work because the touchscreen portion of it still was accepting input like it was in landscape mode wherever you would put your finger on the screen it would just be in the wrong spot i would probably have to set up some sort of a script to change how it represents the input like basically recalibrate it on the fly somehow i don't know how to do that at this time maybe somebody at the community does, but I don't know, and I'd have to do some digging. I just haven't chosen to to dig into that problem at this time because of, you know, other things I'm digging into. But overall, I really like the machine. The battery life on it is pretty darn long. I don't know if Bill put new batteries in these or if they're just that good on power, just in general. I think Plasma reported that it was in high health battery, so I think Bill must have put a new battery in. They're actually really great machines. I was pretty close to just using that the other day as opposed to my regular laptop when I was on the go because I enjoyed using it that much. And my kids like it too. They like that they can interact with the touchscreen on it. I think because the whole phone thing has poisoned them. I mean, uh, changed how they like to use computers. They like the mixing of the keyboard, the touchpad and the touchscreen. So they, they like mixing the inputs where I don't. I like the mouse and they should use a mouse as I hold my cane up and shake it a little bit at them.
1: Yeah, my kids definitely like a combination of touch and type to it really depends on the machine that you have and I don't know if he put a new battery in yours but I know he told me that he didn't put new batteries in all of the ones he sent me which I mean to be fair that would be a whole lot of money just spent on batteries themselves right but I did go through when I was getting ready for class and picked out some of the better batteries because there were some that wouldn't take a charge at all And that was the wonderful thing about having extras this last semester is I was able to go through them and be like, okay, this one has a good battery. This one has a good battery. And if anything happened during the semester, I had extras where I really could have easily swapped them out and the kid never would have missed a beat in following along with class.
0: Yeah, that is nice. I like how everything is very serviceable on the machine. So all those panels on the bottom, you can very easily pop things out, swap hardware around. It really is a nice machine. And I had no idea that Fujitsu made nice machines. So that was something that I learned from that as well. Real nice machine.
1: It is, but I just like the way they handled different aspects of it, being able to turn the screen around and lay it flat, all of the different ways that you can position that screen I also love the fact that because this is a laptop that uses pen input, there is a place on the machine to store the pen so you hopefully don't lose it. Almost all the ones that I have, they're actually attached with a string. So if you're going from place to place, you're not leaving the pen behind and losing it. It was some very interesting thought into the creation of this piece of hardware And I'm really glad that it's getting new life in education with the help of the community.
0: Yeah, I think the string must have been broken on mine. I didn't actually know it had a pen until a nephew was playing with the laptop and said, hey, where's the pen? I says, there's a pen on this? He says, well, there should have been. (laughs) And I laughed. So I might like go on eBay or something, see if I can find a pen for it. I'm sure that there's pens out there. They're, they're just, they just a warehouse someplace with extra parts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And these ones aren't a super high tech pen. So it's not like it needs a battery connection or anything like that. So you should be able to pick one up for an extremely good price.
0: I mean, really, for the purposes of my kids and what they're going to be doing and learning, this is going to be perfect for them. And also, it's, it's very rugged. I mean, well, very. It appears to be very rugged. I don't know. I haven't dropped it yet. And I don't want to see how, what happens if I do drop it. But it just has a, a robust feel to it. And, you know, the kids have already liked playing with it. You know, they just played some games on it. My uh, oldest now knows how to install software. And so he installed uh, Tux Racer so he can go downhill skiing. on I mean, it. He likes yes. that game for some reason. It's a fun game. So I guess we'll see how it goes. The, I mean, it's not a real high-resolution screen. It's not that, I think, 768P or whatever, something like that. But it's for the purposes of education and what I'll be doing with it. I think it's absolutely perfect. I'm excited. I think Bill has really given me a newfound excitement on how I can incorporate Linux and learning aspects of computers in a productive way into my weekly education for my kids. Hey, so this is a quick reminder wendy matt we are changing our name Sit down your beverage and pay attention we are changing our name from dln extend to linux out loud so don't be frightened if your feed all of a sudden has a different name in it we didn't get fired at least i haven't yet and the name is going to reflect more about what the show has become our opinions the excitement that we pull out of the community it's linux out loud because well i think we express our views out loud and everything related to it i'm really excited i know that matt and wendy are More fun to come.
1: And there's still other fun going on right now with the contest for our logo. So if you haven't done your submission yet, you have until Friday, make sure you are sending that to contacts at destinationlinux.com. After all of those are in, Matt, Nate, and I can pick our top three. Then those top three will go to you, the community. The winner of that will become our logo and they'll get a $100 gift card. This episode of Deal on Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever using a simple intuitive interface. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting, whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, Static Sites, Docker, and containers. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than any other products. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup too. As a DLN Extend listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world changing app on their app platform. For free, and it gets better. DigitalOcean will give you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co/dln. Again, go to do.co/dln to get started with your free $100 credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend.
0: With a new year comes some new goals. I'm not keen on predictions because I'm wrong all the time. I think only, what, Matt got one from last year? I can't remember now.
1: Matt got two right. You got one. I had none. So there we are.
0: It was one, but it was kind of a barely one. And I think we gave Matt an extra one. Matt didn't deserve his two. I'm going to say anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, rather than do predictions this year, I think we're going to set some goals. What are some of our own personal tech or tech-related goals? For going into the new year. So, Wendy, I'm curious to know what's something that you are really looking to achieve this year?
1: One of the things I'd like to do is really understand networking better. The Piehole project and installing Unbound on top of it left me kind of in a place where I feel like I don't have enough information. I want to better protect my family, I want to better protect any of the devices that we're using in general, and how can I best do that? One of the things that I was finding when I was going through the different research is when it comes to networking type tutorials, they're either taking it from a place of you have a lot of understanding already, or they're describing it in the same way that I would, which actually wouldn't describe it because I have no idea what in the world I'm talking about. And I'd like to find one of those resources where it's a happy middle ground to be able to explain things in a way for somebody who doesn't have a background in networking, but it's an actual explanation. I don't know how many videos I went through where it was like, yeah, we're going to set up this project and this is what it is. And by the time I got done with it, it was either I have no idea the jargon that they just said or... That wasn't an actual explanation. The goal one is to find some good resources to help me learn networking and to better protect my family and just be able to use all of the hardware that I have better and more capably.
0: I can totally relate to that goal and probably should be a goal of mine also. I find that as I do research, like when I was first getting to the pie hole some time ago, I had to watch a lot of different videos just to understand what it is that I'm doing. And even now, like, I have an understanding, but I don't really have an understanding. It's kind of like understanding the fuel system on your car. You know that the fuel flows from one side of the vehicle from the tank into the engine somehow, but you don't really know how those little mechanics work. And also, you may not even know that there's another line that goes back into the tank because it recirculates. There's a kind of a uh, trying to understand how all of it works together and getting over that barrier of academically understanding what's going on to actually really understanding and where you can actually configure things and know what you're doing. Not just that you're configuring them a certain way, say, you know, use slash 24 at the end to define your network or whatever, something like that. It's like, well, what does slash 24 mean? Well, I don't know what it means. It has something to do with networking, but you know, it's not really clearly laid out for you. I'm sure somebody is, is screaming at their podcaster now, their podcatcher now saying, you idiot, it means this. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I agree. So I think that's a great goal to understand that because I'm trying to do some things that are better for my network as well. Even understanding all the different rules about port forwarding and whatnot, because I'd like to be able to access my network externally without making it vulnerable. And so I'd be using like some obscure ports on the range of ports and then be able to get into specific functions and so forth. I don't know how to do all that. That. I know it can be done. And I'm sure that if I read and studied long enough, maybe went to school or, or took some long class or course on networking, or maybe if I just asked my brother in law, I don't know, but trying to understand how all these things work together so I can have an efficiently working network that's secure, but also isn't painful to use. So if there's a balance in there, and I know that I want it, I just don't know how to get there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because my career is not going to be networking. There's kind of a limit to the amount of time that I can spend on it. But at the same point, I do want to have a general understanding of what's going on. So if something breaks, I can more easily fix it. The main goal is I don't want to mess it up. I don't want my ignorance in playing with these kind of things to create vulnerabilities that can, in the end, potentially hurt us or damage something.
0: Right. Or make some decision that ends up breaking the network and you can't actually accomplish any work. Right. Well, good
2: luck to you on that goal. Nate, it sounds like you're speaking from experience with the breaking the network part, though.
0: Yes, that is speaking from experience. I've broken it. Many many times. And I've been frustrated many times because, you know, I read a thing and then I try and do the thing. And then the outcome from the thing that I did is nothing like what I read it was supposed to do. I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? Obviously, there's a step I'm missing. There's some nuance that I don't understand. And now I'm just going to call Bill. Bill!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm not the only one really wanting to learn different things about pieces of hardware, software that I'm using Nate, you want more understanding with something going on with OpenSuit.
0: Well, of course I do, because I do. I started learning the OpenBuild service quite some time ago, and I started digging into it and, and making like simple things, just like creating the files so I can automatically install stuff easily. I haven't used it in such a period of time I've forgotten much of what I've learned. And I, although I have notes, but I don't intrinsically know. So it's my goal this year to actually use the Open Build service to do more than just install some packages and repos and so forth, but to use it so I can automatically set up computers. Like when I set up like these computers for like the kids to use, I want to make it easily reproducible and not where I have to spend a lot of time. And so OpenSUSE has all these really cool functions where you can do that between AutoYast and the XML files for their one-click installer for Yast. So I want to be able to understand how to do all that stuff effectively so I can easily share how I have things set up, installing OpenSUSE packages, as well as maybe installing Flatpak and so forth all at once. in you know, Just one-click deployment to make everything as easy as possible for me to reproduce these computers. Like Wendy, she's teaching a course right now, and although I'm not teaching a lot of kids anything, just my own, it is an ambition of mine to be able to instruct other kids in some computer classes, either with like mechanical design or something else. I don't know yet what I want to do, but be able to offer some sort of a course to the co-op as well for kids to you know enhance their skills and i think that you know open provides a great platform for setting up education computers to be able to reproduce it across multiple devices and then you have to be the same devices so i want to learn understand how to do all that and not kick it down the road again like i did last year because uh, you know the whole move thing a lot of things kind of upset my plans for the year but it ended up being good so now i really need to buckle down and learn to do this to really push myself forward
1: is there a particular application that you're wanting to build, whether for you or the community? What is part of the driving force between learning this?
0: Uh, there's actually another project that I'm working on. This is, this is a side one, but it's uh, OpenSUSE for the Pi 400. They already have a great image that you can install automatically, Just, but this is a very vanilla install of OpenSUSE Tumbleweed for the Pi. And I discovered that I can get everything that I want on that Pi you know, in OpenSUSE that I would get in the Raspberry Pi OS. But I'd rather have the OpenSUSE functions and features because I appreciate things like Yast and all the different system management that you know I use because I'm lazy and I don't want to learn something else and I can't remember all the terminal commands. Going through and seeing what would it take for me to install all that, and I have a list and I have a script already in mind that will do that. It's just a matter of putting that script in a place. To install, like with a one click install system that OpenSUSE has, which is more like four clicks to install because you have to confirm. But one click to get a started install, go through the process to add all these different bits and pieces. And maybe that's not the best method of doing it. I want to make it so it's reproducible for me personally. That's one of them. There's some other things too. Like I put together a theme, like an OpenSUSE Breeze Dark theme that I really like, and I put it on all my machines. And right now it's on the KDE looks, it's on that. You can actually install it directly from Plasma. But I'd like to take that and move that over and make that an RPM package in OpenSUSE so I can just have it install automatically as well and not have to do any additional clicking. So it's just little things like that. And then, you know, then other people could have more access to the things that I have done. Not that I've done much, but I'd like to make it so the things that I figure out, instead of having them be a process to go through step by step, maybe automate more of it. So I want to be able to automate is a lot of the reason.
1: That is a really awesome goal. I can't wait to see how that progresses throughout the year and the changes that you're able to make using it.
0: Yeah, me too. So, Matt, I understand that you just are um, spending too much money on tech and you need to uh, save money.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to do something a little different this year. I'm not making any resolutions as far as video games or anything else, because we all know how well that worked last year. Uh, (laughs) For six months, it did anyway. Six is pushing it. (laughs) Oh, shush. Generically, when it comes to hardware, I'm Ryan, but I'm not. I like to be up to date, but I don't need the most bleeding edge stuff. Ryan is the very much of the network. He is the, I want Bleeding Edge, I want Bleeding Edge. That's just him. He enjoys pain. Whatever. More props to him. For me, this year is, as I look around and see what I have for technology, there's really not anything I need. Because I try to make the distinction between what I want and what I need. While there's a lot of tech I want... I just want to be content with what I need slash have. So that means no new laptops and it means no new desktops. That means no I mean, I'm not going to try a new desktop because, uh, you know, GPUs are not a thing right now. Actually, it's cheaper (laughs) to buy a laptop system than it is to actually buy a single GPU. I'm going to try to get another year like out of the Elite book that I have. There's other stuff that I just want to see. If I can just be content for the year, instead of this being a tech fan, instead of always constantly like, oh, I need a new phone. Oh, I need a insert new thing here. Oh, I need like try to justify purchases that I really don't need to justify. That to me is probably the biggest thing. That means will I be saving money? Probably a ton of it but that is almost the kind of the challenge and goal in and of itself is i just want to be content for the year from a like technology point barring something blowing you know like a monitor blowing up or something like <laughs> there's very few things where I'm gonna be like oh i got to go buy this and i think i'm okay with that Fairly achievable goal because, yes, I have like the fancy folding phones and all that kind of stuff. But like I'm using an iPhone SE from 2016 as my daily driver right now. I just want to be content with the stuff. While I was looking to do more challenges with certain other OSs, after I did this Mac challenge, I'm probably just going to use what I have here for hardware already and just go with that. That's just going to have to be kind of what it is, unfortunately. I don't have any big lofty goals this year as far as my technology stuff. Just be content. Well, that's a lofty goal as far as I'm concerned.
1: You did buy, what, at least two machines last year?
2: Uh, Last year, I bought the 2060 Super that I had. Have, and I bought the 3050 Ti machine. The 3050 Ti was more of a replacement system when I couldn't think I could find a replacement GPU for the Elite Book at a reasonable price. Then I found one for a reasonable price after I bought the machine. So that was one of those like, well, I already paid for it. <laughs> Yeah. That just kind of stuck around. (laughs) At that point, it was like, well, that was $900 I didn't plan on spending, but whatever. Then, you know, I go on eBay and three days later after I've already bought the machine and it's here, I find a GPU for... $70 $70 for the upgrade and the shipping cost to Ryan. So I was like, of course, gonna work that way for me. But
1: you are getting lots of use out of that new machine, right?
2: The 3050 Ti machine, you mean? That is actually my Linux gaming machine. Like, that is the one that I do, like, all my Linux game testing on. I have the 2060 RTX machine that I have. That's still a Windows machine, but that's more for testing RTX and that kind of stuff on Windows, so that's a more of a comparison machine. But yeah, I still have that. I still use it everyday. I play games on it almost every day. Like I said, it's my gaming machine when it comes to Linux gaming and stuff, so. Oh, I probably should caveat this. I am still getting the Steam Deck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's different.
1: But that's something that you ordered last year, so I mean, really.
2: Yes, but I'm paying for it this year. If it was available last year, I would have bought it last year. (laughs) Right, same here. That is the one thing that I will be buying, but overall, as far as other stuff i'm not even looking at consoles this year as an example i'm not looking at the ps5 or the xbox or any of that stuff and i'm like like i'm a gamer like um, i'm not shy about that but i have no interest so it's just like eh whatever honestly a lot of the nintendo stuff interests me more than anything on the other major two platforms so i'm just like i got the switch what do i care and if I really want something weird and esoteric, I'll fire up my Wii U. I think that's a great goal. I think it's good to not get rolled up into consumerism. Not to sound like one of those people, but
0: I think that consumerism and buying a lot of stuff actually can make you more miserable because it's more stuff to kind of hold you down. And an uncle once told me years ago, you know, possessions own the possessor. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's stupid. Now I see what he's talking about. When I moved recently, that was a pain to move and took me a little bit longer than I anticipated. So in a way, my possessions did possess me. But I do a lot of projects. It's not like I hoard them and it just sits on a shelf and rots. I actually do stuff with it. Thinning that out probably wouldn't be bad for me to do at some point in time. So I think that it's good not to just buy and buy and buy to keep it at a, a proper level to make it a goal to not buy anything and just end up maybe buying the steam deck and you know another 80 games or whatever that you'll probably end up buying
2: i think that's a good goal oh in fairness <laughs> i didn't say i wasn't gonna buy games this year like uh, <laughs> like true. last yeah. year i was going for an unachievable goal <laughs> so right this year a little more achievable <laughs> yeah i think that's totally achievable although lofty lofty yes but achievable nonetheless Barring, like i said anything that blows up or something like I'll be fine as far as my tech needs overall are concerned, though. Uh, I, you know, I don't need more laptops. I don't need more test machines. I don't need any of that kind of stuff. So the really the last quote-unquote intentional purchase that I had would have been part of the Apple challenge that I'm doing. And that's pretty much it which was part of last year, so...
0: And that still sounds painful.
2: Uh, I mean, you have no <laughs> idea. I'm not looking at buying or building or doing anything hardware-related. Wendy, the, one of your goals, though, was something as it relates to the gaming computer in the living room.
1: Yeah, this has kind of been on my wish list for quite a while. So when I built my new desktop system in early 2020. I wanted to take some of those parts or most of those parts and create a gaming system in the living room that's connected to the TV. My daughter has her laptop, which it's fine. It's fun. They really do enjoy playing on the Xbox because you have that great big screen. They can all see what's going on and they do like to cheer each other on as they're playing games. There's also those times When I'm using my main computer system and my husband would like to play a game, it would be really nice if some of the games that he loves to play on Steam, he had access to in the living room. So one of the goals this year is to actually get that set up. What I'm missing at the moment is I need a new cooler for the CPU. I need a case for the entire system. The biggest thing that I'm missing is a GPU. So that's what I'm going to be on the hunt for. It doesn't need to be super fancy. It could be the same as what I've got in my main system right now, which is an RX 580. It's playing most of the games that he really likes to already. So sticking with something similar would be great for that. It's right now just a matter of taking the time Doing the research and finding one at a really good price, it's going to be kind of an eBay hunt in order to get exactly what I want at the right price. But that is a major goal is to actually get that living room gaming system built and functional and so we'll have two systems that my husband can use in order to play some of those games.
0: What about that pawn shop you visit? I'm sure they've got some fun toys there.
1: i have checked there for graphics cards. They just haven't had any. Ah. Next time I'm that way because I will be over near them this coming Monday. And I might swing in and just ask, hey, if you get one in, could you give me a call?
0: Yeah, that'd be cool if they could do that. Yeah, then you might be able to get a little bit cheaper than what you can even on eBay.
1: Yeah, and I think it was Ulfnik that gave the tip before on finding a graphics card is you can get them on really, really good deals when you find people that have taken original fans off of them, quote unquote, deals like that. They wonder how hot did they get? How good are the parts still depending on the different home cooling systems that have come with? But it's one of those places to check that sometimes you can get things at a really good price just because the average person is like, oh, I can't fix that. Oh, I can't make that work. But some of us can take those devices that other people wouldn't touch, take computers on eBay that don't have an operating system. Those typically go cheaper. Yes, they do. That's one of the ways that I like to buy you systems because the average person is like, oh, I don't want a system that doesn't have an SSD in it or doesn't have an operating system on it. And those are places where those of us that can install our own operating system, we're like, yeah, that's no big deal. It saves me a whole lot of money, especially when I don't want Windows anyway. But graphics cards, I'm hoping that I can find something the same. The problem with eBay is in order to find those deals, you really have to spend a lot of time digging and going through things and finding the stuff that doesn't get pulled to the top, that's usually hanging around in the bottom because it quote unquote doesn't hit the right keywords or whatever. Just one of those extra things to add to my list of things that'll take a whole lot of time. But getting the system set up, I think, will make life a whole lot easier on Magneto for sure.
0: Building a system is always fun, and that would probably improve quality of life in your house, especially when you have all the work that you do. So people will be maybe not using your desk and your system quite as much. It might be a nice relief for you. I think that would be good, a good system to add more peace into the house as they play Zanotic and you know, obliterate their opponents.
1: You have another project you're working on, Nate, that goes along the same lines as your first one, building applications, making them fit your needs. What is the app that you really want to get done this year?
0: So I started a fitness app for tracking my workouts on a daily basis that I do. And I don't like any of the fitness apps out there. I've even explored recently thinking there might have been a good one, like someone suggested one. No, it didn't fit what I want. So besides Linux and Vintage Tech, fitness is my other geek hobby. There are a lot of nerdy things that go into fitness and keeping out of pain, essentially, you know, being overly sore or being weak so I like to track my workouts I like to see you know they go up and down i, I injure myself sometimes just no, not a fault of my workouts but sometimes because of the um, other projects I do moving a ladder like I shouldn't or trying to uh, mela gorilla something that I shouldn't and uh, so I can track then my workouts are not as good with all that I've been tracking my workouts on a spreadsheet and there are a lot of really cool features that a spreadsheet offers like you can you can pull different kinds of metrics and so forth and although I don't normally do those fancy spreadsheet things because that is more work I do like to track my workouts and everything else so what I like to do is instead of you using a spreadsheet with a pencil, generally mechanical, because you know, I got to have some kind of tech there, right? I want to track all these things on an application that I build primarily for Linux. And then I'm also going to build like an Android version as well. So I'm looking to use Python at this point, I've already started it, I'm not real far, so I could very easily pivot if I have to, I've explored Rust, and I've explored, I think Lua is another one, and just seemed like Python had more of the modules for like creating really cool charts and being able to take your data points and doing, you know, cool stuff with it and I'm more familiar with Python at this point. I started building it, and then, you know, this year kind of got a little bit turbulent because of all the changes that happened and many months of working on things that weren't really in the plan, but I'm, again, in a better position now. So what I want to do is I want to create this fitness application, be able to publish it as open source, and then have a way of synchronizing data using existing technology that's out there, like you can use SyncThing or whatever, and sync it to your phone or, you know, other Linux machines and whatnot. If you really want to use, like, Dropbox or Google Drive, make that an option as well. just would pull from a file. I already designed how I want the data to be stored I want to do it in a very simple way. We're using comma separated values because we're not talking about millions of data points. We're talking just hundreds over a period of years, essentially, maybe thousands but still not a lot and well within the ability of having these Python scripts pull it in and do any metrics that you want on that. I spent a lot of time kind of uh, mapping out the framework for how I want the application to to function and to be and then I've, I've also kept in mind that I want to make it so I can do a Commodore 64 version of this since I do know Commodore Basic and it wouldn't take much processing power to do but I want to be able to record the inputs on a Commodore 64 and somehow I don't have this part worked out yet but I know it's possible have it upload that data to a someplace so I mean you could very easily do like Telnet that's a capability that Commodore 64 does have, like at least in the BBS form. So I don't know yet how I'm going to do this part. But I want to be able to say at some point, so you know, this year probably not a Commodore 64 app that will be integrated, maybe some sort of a framework of one. I would like to be able to say that this application will run on all the major platforms, Linux, Android, and Commodore 64. And if somebody asks for what about Mac or Windows, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that would be just amusing to me.
1: I actually love the idea of this application. I'm really curious as to some of the structure it's going to have. We may have to chat about this offline because most of the fitness trapping... Trapping, exactly. Trapping, yes. Part of it is because, you know, they're sending all kinds of data back that I don't necessarily want whatever company to have. And there are things that I want to see when I'm doing my workouts. I want to be able to see my strength over time. What is that progression? What do I need to do different in order to hit certain weight goals as I'm moving through things, not physical body weight to weight goals is how much am I lifting? Yep. And what are the reps that I'm doing it for? Is it a heavy day? Is it a light day? What do those different days look like? So, when you're working on this app, I'm really curious as to are you going to have structures for supersets and all of those? Like, what is that going to look like? I know that's probably way too much to get into right now, but I love the idea of this application. I love your three major operating systems that totally cracks me up. And the first time this happens, I really wish it would be videoed because I want to see the look on somebody's face when you say that. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be talking more about this off air. I'd love to hear what your plans are and maybe toss in a few of my two cents on what I'm looking for as you're building it out.
0: I do supersets all the time. I am absolutely keeping that in mind because me personally, this is my opinion. If you need medical advice or health advice, you should consult your own, you know, medical professional or, or health professional don't take my advice for for this. I think that supersets are the best way to train because you can't just keep hitting that one muscle group over and over again and rest and expect to get a workout done in a reasonable amount of time. If you do a superset, you can get a lot more workout in and less time have that workout high as it were and feel better going on with your day without actually killing yourself and you know taking two hours to get all your workouts done so i think supersets are the only way to do it so that is i'm absolutely keeping that in mind and that's how i train the thought is there it's got to be flexible enough that you can run through your workouts in such a way that if you decide to change up something, like maybe you're not gonna do box jumps or maybe you're not gonna do overhead squats or or whatever, for whatever reason, you're just gonna swap in another workout that you know maybe like kettlebell swings or something, that it's very easy to do that without having to go through and reconfigure what your workout set is. And to me, that's very important.
1: Absolutely. And when it comes to the weight tracking part of it, I know that part of the reason why pen and paper has been so much easier in tracking my workouts is sometimes I'm doing it And the first two sets, yeah, I'm able to push this weight, no problem. And by the time I hit the next set, I have to drop weight in order to finish that set the way I have it written, just because I've now achieved so much in... Muscle fatigue. I want to keep that set, but I'm not going to need to drop the weight in order to do it. And most tracking apps really don't handle that very well. Or at all. Or at all. I like the combination of hypertrophy training and then more of the classical strength training. So I have some days where it's very low reps and very heavy weight. And other days where it's lighter weight and higher reps, you know, just changing it up, keeping things going different. And a lot of those apps, especially for the hypertrophy days, don't handle those number changes very well, or like you said, at all.
0: The other thing too is sometimes I like to do drop sets where at the very end you do zero rest and then drop your weight down to what, like 50% or whatever, and just do a final burnout. And that's not possible with any of these apps. Like, the way the format exactly. makes it look like you are losing because you're not gaining, if that makes any sense. Like you're not, it's a bad number because then your average is dropped. It's not a good motivational app because the idea is to stay motivated through the tracking.
1: And it's not a good representation of the data in general. But yeah, we could talk about this forever.
0: Yeah, I could talk <laughs> about it forever. We have a time hack that we have to meet on the show. So with that said, I want to be able to make it so this application is free for anyone to use. I want to make it so it's open source, so anybody can contribute toward it and so forth. I think, you know, GPLv2 is probably what I'm going to put under when I actually start putting out on GitHub or GitLab, GitHub probably. And I'm hoping that, you know, people like it. And then that falls back into my goal one, which is I need to learn how to properly package things because I do want to have this in OBS immediately, which can also build app images and build for other platforms as well. So it's not going to be just for open OpenSUSE people, but it can be for anybody who wants to run it. Uh, OBS probably won't package the Commodore 64 version. That's going to come later. That one's going to be probably a little more difficult to do with the communication aspect because the Commodore 64 was not built with network in mind. So I'll have to work that one out later. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as pin, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security. All to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into Serious Jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Well, Matt, you made it very clear that buying new games is not off the table for this year. So what is this new game that you want to impart upon us
2: all? Well, ironically, the new game that I'm on to impart on you all is actually not one you have to pay a single cent for. I don't believe it. <laughs> believe it, because this is actually a game called Crab Game, C-R-A-B Game. It is meant for, I guess, kids specifically, but it's a multiplayer competitive like games like Milk is one of the games that it just takes a bunch of like the kid games that you would have played in real life on the schoolyard and just puts them into this kind of 3d environment and that to me is just kind of a cool little thing for it and the fact that it's free it just makes it that much better so this is something that like i saw this and i was like oh this is something we could do like if we ever do like another deal on game night or something This is definitely a game for kids and that kind of stuff. It can be a good, wholesome family game. Kind of like, what was that game that everybody tried to get me to play? I just don't remember. What was it?
0: Hmm. Among Us?
2: (laughs) I don't know. It was some game. But this is one of those games that kind of falls into that. It's got a lot of positive reviews. It has over 122,000 Steam reviews. And it's overwhelmingly positive, wow. if I remember they are mostly positive. That is crazy and you can play up to 35 other players on these games and the system requirements are seriously low Like That's very cool. I'm talking Intel integrated like 520 which is stuff you would see on like The ultra low powered like Jasper Lake Celeron CPUs kind of stuff. So they are Hmm. run across the gamut as far as what you can play them on. So that to me was also really cool. So uh, just a fun looking game to maybe play with the family, the kids, you know, all
0: all that jazz. Well, it looks like fun. The graphics are whimsical. They're simple. It has a one of the mini games on it or whatever. It looks like something from Squid Games or whatever it's called with a glass bridge.
2: Ironically, if you actually look at the description on Steam, it says something this is isn't a Korean developed movie tie-in or something along those lines. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I was like, okay, I can appreciate That's funny. that. <laughs> well, it's been around a while.
0: Yeah. October 2001.
2: Fun looking game though. That did get added to a list that I know Nate, you and Maru have been kicking around. So that did get added, by the way.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a fun game already this is one that you definitely could play with a lot of people and just laugh it's one of those games that just you can play and laugh hard
1: and one of the best parts about it is there really isn't a whole lot when it comes to system resources for this so if you're one of those people out there who want to sit down and play a game with some others but don't have a system that has a whole lot of specs for maybe some of these other games, this is a great one to test out. Yeah,
2: definitely. That's part of the draw for it. Just basically any system Nate has. So it works fine.
1: Perfect.
0: Yeah, perfect. I like it. (laughs) I know that was meant as a jab, but I totally accept it.
2: (laughs) While I'm making recommendations for multiplayer games and all the other things, Wendy, you actually have a video game recommendation, which is weird.
1: (laughs) I do. I spent the New Year's three-day weekend just kicking back, relaxing, and actually getting a little bit of game time in. One of the games that I bought on the Winter Cell from Steam is called Creepy Tale. It's been on my wish list for a while. The graphics definitely fit in stuff that I've liked before, things that I've talked about in the past. This is also a puzzle game, but one where if you solve the puzzle wrong, you die by any number of different creatures. I don't know how many times when I was first trig- figuring out the troll level where I got my face bit off and <laughs> we were sitting around the table on New Year's and my husband mentioned something about getting my face bit off and company that we had here just looked at us like, what in the world are you talking about? I'm like, it's a game. It's fine. <laughs> it's just it's still a game that I'm playing. So I am now to the level where I'm at, the three castles. I can't remember which episode this is. And that's the one that I'm currently working through at the moment. I love the puzzle aspect of this game. It is one of those like candle where you have to move around to different places, trying to figure out which steps you need to do in what order in order to solve it and get out of there. Some of them take a little bit more keyboard skills than I have or I get a little too excited in the witch's house. I was so close to finishing the stupid puzzle so many times and then I get overexcited and go up the stairs too early just as she was coming up and get caught. So it does take a little bit of skill when it comes to like not jumping on top of the troll and actually getting over them but the main base of the game is solving these different puzzles to get out of the situation you're in. There is a Creepy Tale 2. I've already purchased that one because I love Creepy Tale 1. And there is going to be a third rendition of this game that looks like it'll be out sometime this year. I'm pretty sure I will own that one as well. This is just my style of gameplay.
0: It looks cool. It reminds me of the gameplay from the old Space Quest, Police Quest style of games, King's Quest. where you are on some kind of a quest and you can die a multitude of ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I love about this game is they are Linux native. So it's a puzzle game. It doesn't really acquire a whole lot of resources. The graphics are fantastic. It's a puzzler and they are also Linux native. So we've got two Linux native game recommendations this week. That is awesome. We are sticking with some of that game theme and you've been having some issues with DirectX. Is that right, Nate?
0: This is correct. So there was an update to Matt's favorite game among us and it requires DirectX 11. And there is not really a improvement on the graphics that I think necessarily requires this but it does require they have a more modern GPU that can handle DirectX 11. So some of the computers that we used in my house to play Among Us, we can no longer play Among Us on. And I read something about there's a way to have it translate directly to Vulkan, which should work, but I've not found any clear answers as to how to get Among Us working on this older laptop. Processor-wise can perfectly handle it, but apparently those cartoony graphics the GPU cannot handle or something like that. I realize it's a protocol thing, it's an API thing, it's not the graphics themselves, but just the API they chose to use. So it's kind of a question I'm putting out there to the community if they have any answers as to how I can get a DirectX 11 game working on a GPU that doesn't do DirectX 11. If it's even possible, if there is someone that knows an answer to that or can point me to some other resources that maybe I haven't stumbled on yet, that's something else I need to, to figure out and solve. In the meantime, I guess they're just using... Android phones to do it. I think that's kind of a downer. I prefer using Linux for everything, but it kind of looks like even with gaming, Linux doesn't have the stay power that I had once hoped.
1: My kids are typically playing this on Android tablets, so I was kind of curious how it was going to work if they're making these updates there. There are different other devices that are no longer going to be able to being used because of some of the changes that are made. Which I really hope that's not true. It's kind of a bummer that you're not able to use. Older systems on this that don't support direct x11 because it's not a resource heavy game in general
0: no not at all
1: so it making this changes doesn't quite make sense to me as just someone sitting on the sideline so we haven't actually played this game in a while i'm curious as to how it will work on their tablets if you don't know my kids are using fire tablets generation 8 i believe and they're currently running Lineage OS. And for the most part, they've been running fine. They've been able to play the games okay. So if this makes it so the game isn't available for them to play on this lower spec hardware, it's just not one of those games that we're going to be able to play as a family anymore.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm afraid of that might happen here. Like right now, we can still use the phones, but it's not as fun even for them than using a larger screen on a computer. So maybe there's a solution out there that someone has to get... DirectX 11 working somehow on OpenGL version 2 or 3, whatever that this computer still handles. It's a Dell Latitude 6520, I believe, or 30, so it's I think from 2013. I guess maybe, you know, nine years is just too old now. I mean, the computer is functional for every other way, but just not for this. We'd like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram and Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our shows and creators at DestinationLinux.network. If you would like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description or drop us a message on the contact form by visiting dlnextend.com contact. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store and grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag along with other shows from across the network. As always... We thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone.